What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey everyone, happy Wednesday. It's Rachel Silver Cohen. I'm with Dr. Boca and you know what that means. It's another episode where we have kind of ditched the couch. We've grabbed the mics and we're going to just dive in. It's unpolished therapy time. Hi, Dr. Boca. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited. I thought that Tammy was amazing. I thought that the pieces of information that she gave us and the different types of meditation, the applicability, is that a word? Applicability? applicability, I think, to our everyday life was great. I'm so happy that she kind of joined the Unpolished team so well. I'm curious what you took from it and how it felt for you because I know that this anxiety thing that you have going on seems to be pervasive. So I'm just curious where you went after that session. Yeah, sure. So just to back up for a minute though, to anyone who's listening today and is like, what are you even talking about? Oh, I probably should have explained <laughs> um, that, but I just assumed we all listened. Well, let's just remind the listeners out there. So in our last session, Dr. Boca was gracious enough to bring in a trusted colleague and a mentor from many years ago who helped us really break down how to deal on a day-in and a day-out basis with this generalized anxiety that many of us, myself included, most notably, have had as a result of COVID or just in general, just life issues. So in answer to your question, to anyone out there, if you missed that episode, go back and listen. I think it will be helpful on a, you know, for a whole host of reasons for anyone, even if you just do little bits and pieces and you have small little takeaways, I think it'll be helpful and certainly value add. That being said, Dr. Boca, in answer to your question, yes, I think you can probably even hear it in my voice. I do feel lighter from that emotional perspective. Anxiety, it's probably here to stay just the the world is crazy and hectic. Once we solve one problem, probably, possibly, more than just probably, other issues come up. As a friend of mine said the other day, as you say, Rachel, we all have our shit. It's just piled on a little bit differently. It looks different. It comes mm-hmm. in different shapes and sizes and it presents in its own way. But yeah, Tani was really helpful. I can't promise that I'm going to stick to task day in and day out. I, I don't want to make a promise that I, that I likely can't keep but it is in the forefront of my mind, at least this week, and I am trying to put it into motion. So thank you for bringing her on board. Well, I'm glad. And I don't think there's the expectation that any of us are using all of those skills all of the time. That would be amazing. And that would be the ideal. However, it's not necessarily the reality. And to answer the question that you ask often is, does everybody go through this? Does everybody have anxiety? I think you've actually, in your unpolished way, said, is everybody fucking crazy? The answer is we all have this at periods in our life. The question is how significant is it? So I don't want to be the therapist here, although I am a therapist. I guess the question that I want to ask you, Rachel, is obviously I know that you have this anxiety that we've spoken about at length over the three seasons that we've been working together. But I'm curious if this is something that you've always had or if this is something that you can kind of pinpoint to a period of time where at least even if you've had it low grade, that it's become heightened and kind of present and really 
I don't want to go so far as saying debilitating, but something that's definitely getting in the way of daily functioning for you. Yeah. Well, I think for me, over the course of my life, being a type A kind of non-perfectionist perfectionist, mm-hmm. if you will, high-level functioning at whatever I'm doing or always trying to succeed to get it right and get it done and be the best and tie it up in a bow. It, that's always been my MO my whole life. When we were younger, I don't know that there was always specific titles that were appointed to you for whatever your quote-unquote issue may have been. So growing up, I don't know that I was ever, quote, diagnosed, let's say, because I don't think it really was that prevalent. It was just Mm -hmm. an underlying, this is part of my personality. I'm very hyper. I'm type A. I want to get it done. I want to get it right. I was always more aggressive rather than passive, but the ball still moved down the field. In answer to your question, probably after my own self-analysis, where did this come from in such a heightened stage as an Mm -hmm. adult? I mean, where else? I'm going to say, likely, it's the demise of my marriage and going through a divorce. Because really, I can't point to anything else that dramatic, that directed or that affected me. I mean, obviously, there's been deaths and illnesses and things of that nature that certainly didn't help the cause. But for me personally, in my adult life, I've got a divorce for... $200. That's the answer. Well, it definitely is one of the top five most stressful events in our lives. So I would imagine that would probably be one of the catalysts. I would also throw out, at least in my own life, I don't even know that I was aware that I ever even had anxiety. I don't even think I knew other than being a therapist what anxiety was. Obviously, I learned when I went through the DSM, but I don't think I had ever really known that it was a part of me until I had children. Well, I shouldn't say that. I knew I guess I had it when I got divorced in that period of time, but I would have said I led more with just a true sadness, but I didn't have children at that time. So my divorce was very different than yours and we can get into that. But when I had children, the lack of control that I felt, and then you were a parent before you got divorced. So I would argue that there might've been a bit of the anxiety breaking through the surface and your whole type A functioning kind of got turned on on its head when your children were born. And then you even that playing field out over time as you figured out how do we manage our children, then the divorce is what brought this now all the way through the roof. So you kind of whack-a-mold it down a little bit once you had the children, but it was still kind of there. But then with the divorce and having children on top of that and having to find a job and having to find a new home. I mean, these are all the major stressors that we go through. Of course, you're going to be anxious. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because you just rattled off getting a new job, moving, getting divorced, having children. When I look back in hindsight, (laughs) I'll tell you a funny story. And I mean, we can laugh about it now, which is the beauty of time and healing that I always say, you always remind me. I'm my biggest critic or my toughest person in the room to myself or whatever. But at the end of the day, I do still find so much comfort in the laughter. So when I giggle... Yeah, some of it is that nervous energy, but it is such a relief to be able to laugh when I think back to some of these stories. And I remember being married and we were moving cross town and we had had the two little kids. It was probably one of the most stressful times in my life. And not to say that I hadn't moved 14 times Mm -hmm. before in my life, which I had. And you forget how stressful or how painful something is when you're already through it. And you don't really process it until thereafter. But in that moment of moving with two little kids and a husband that at the time, 
I don't even know that I'm going to point and say things weren't well because I think they probably were, but it was so stressful that I remember saying, oh my God, I can't stand him. Mm. And what is going on here? And my head was exploding. And in the retelling of it, it wasn't until afterwards that someone said to me, you do know that moving is one of the most stressful things on the docket of life. And you know what? As intelligent as I think I am, I didn't know. And I needed someone else to kind of put me in my place because I was kind of losing my mind. Once I heard that, I mean, shame on me for not knowing that that's a stressful piece of life coupled with kids and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. It kind of helped. Now, it didn't solve my battery. <laughs> no, it didn't. But what's interesting is you have to kind of close up some of the holes to see where yeah. the real problem is, right? And you wouldn't know because as a type A person who can get shit done, moving is just one of those types of things that you can just plow through. Why would it be stressful? The one thing I'm kind of going to pat myself on the back over is that when I did go through the divorce and it was time to move yet again and pack up the house and get rid of stuff and sell stuff and give it away and just the enormity of what 12, 13, 14 years, whatever it was at the time, to pack it up or throw it away, per se, that overwhelming feeling, I do remember, and this is where I kind of want to pat myself on the back, remembering the conversation that I had had many years prior in that first move to say, you know what? This too shall pass. It's very emotional because now we're compounding Mm -hmm. children and divorce and the sadness of failure and and closure. But to say... I will get through it. It's just a house. It's just a move. And there's a lot of moving parts, but I'm going to do it. And now the irony is here we are now several years later and my kids and I, we're going through another transition and we're moving again um, in just several weeks from now. Answer your question, where do you think all the anxiety as of late is coming from? It's all of it. The move is something that I have to make a conscious decision to tell myself at night when it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm not sleeping and I'm trying to solve all of the world's problems in addition to my own problems to say, okay, the move, Rachel, we've been there, we've done this. And by we, I mean me, Mm -hmm. because I essentially had done it alone the first time. And here I am now doing it again alone, even though I've tried to woo my children. (laughs) And by woo, I mean insist, but say it in a way where I'm kind of trying to get them to think it's their idea to kind Mm -hmm. of mench up and pitch in and help. But it's overwhelming. You're not bribing them? Well, I guess woo was my way of... (laughs) Oh, is that the euphemism? That's the euphemism. Yeah. So look, I think what's great about it is that you're incorporating not only some of the techniques that we've talked about in terms of speaking to yourself, looking at the reality of the situation and looking at the evidence of the fact that you've survived this before and you can do it and now you're almost an expert at it. But also when you're up at two o'clock in the morning, if those techniques don't work, you can incorporate some of the meditation that Tani spoke about last week. That all being said, as I'm sitting here listening and listening to how painful the whole process is and how how much stress you've had in your life, I sit there and I say, you know, when I'm packing up, would I be resentful in my head of this all goes back to the fact that I am now divorced? I know the choices that you guys have made all worked out the way that they needed to work out and you guys moved forward in the way and everybody's settled and all of that. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is like divorce is such a huge thing and it impacts all of these other things, the moves, the jobs, the children, all of this stuff. So I do think that the divorce is something we should maybe highlight because I can't imagine, in fact, I know for a fact because I know the stats, I can't imagine you're the only person who has gone through a divorce 
You think? Yeah. Now, I mean, I did it without kids, so I could only imagine that there are people who are doing it worse off than I did, especially during post-COVID, how many people are in the middle of COVID. It's not over right now, but it's getting there with the vaccines, I'm hoping. But you can't be alone in this. So I think it would be a great thing. And I can't even believe as I was going through all of our syllabi that we haven't covered divorce. So I think we need to cover divorce because there's so much to it. It's such a big stress. And like people don't even know how to freaking do it. And that adds even more stress. So I'm officially right now calling the session on divorce. Okay. I'm so ready. Here's the unpolished piece. I have, I know listeners can't really see. I have the biggest smile on my face because <laughs> it is so screwed up that like, I'm like, yes, divorce. Let's talk about it. I know about this. Like, this is a hot topic. I actually have answers. I have questions. I've had my questions answered. And it does feel so liberating to have come through on the other side. Mm-hmm. If there's anything I can convey to anyone listening out there that is either going through it now or potentially is thinking about it. I am here to admit, and I know Dr. Boca, you hate when I say, or I call myself, oh, I'm a nut job or I'm screwed up or whatnot, but but I was, and it's okay because mm-hmm. you're not in your right mind. Things no. are not functioning on the on the level playing field that you thought when you signed up for the team, that the marital team, if you will. So it feels great to be able to talk about something that is kind of taboo, not kind of, that still is in today's world. And you think it wouldn't be because we're so modernized and, you know, it is something you hear about often, but when it is about you or people in your circle, people do tense up and they don't really know what to do. And I kind of also just want to put a blanket statement out there that, you know, the Gwyneth Paltrow's of the world that thought that, you know, we're going to write a book and we're going to uncouple gracefully and everyone is going to kiss each other and hug each other and stroll down to the courthouse together. That's not always realistic. If anything, I don't know many couples at all that have had those experiences. And I will say on the other side of the rainbow here that my divorce was pretty smooth given the fact that it was still incredibly unpolished. So Mm -hmm. I just want to say that everyone give yourself some grace. With that being said, I kind of tell a story that when we were having children, everybody knows you want to have children. What do you do? You go in the bedroom, you bang it out and you have sex and boom, you're pregnant. Yeah, right. Okay. (laughs) But we also do know that that only works when you don't want to have kids. Of course. Exactly. (laughs) When you do want to have kids, it doesn't really work like that. There's a method to the madness. There's a science. And back to my point of being type A and a well-oiled machine and wanting to check the boxes and get things done the right way. When my husband at the time and I had decided, okay, we're going to go for it. We're going to start a family. We're going to have children. I remember going to the gynecologist and saying... I know this is going to sound crazy. We want to have kids. What do we do? (laughs) Okay. and Oh, you must not have read all the books. Well, clearly they knew where I was coming from. I know what to do, but there's got to be something. There's got to be some more science involved. And, you know, time is money. And like, what do we do? The reason I bring up the story is that when I knew I wanted to get divorced, wanting to get divorced and getting divorced are two completely different things. Absolutely. No matter how polished you are, no matter how unpolished you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how successful you are, no matter if you're the victim, if you're the initiator, whatever the case may be, if it's something that you're unaware of and you don't have any experience in, it can be incredibly overwhelming, which of course then leads all roads lead back to this anxiousness and this having severe anxiety. So 
what do you do? I didn't know what to do. Truly, I didn't. I knew I wanted to. I just didn't know how to go about doing it. So let me ask you, I mean, I think you're hitting on a great topic right now of it's an unknown, right? Which always causes anxiety. So I guess now that you've been on the other side of it, what would you say would be like the top five, maybe three, five, whatever things that if somebody were going through this right now, that you would say these things you must do in order to stay sane or get through it or figure this out, et cetera? That's a harder question, I think, than I thought it would be, especially coming off the heels of being like, oh, yes, I know everything about this topic. Ask me anything. Um, Okay, let's see. Let's break it down. So I think the first thing is following your gut Mm -hmm. and trusting your gut, even if in your head you feel like a crazy person, which trust me, I did. I tell a story that I would, my blood pressure, I think was through the roof with the anxiousness. And I remember driving in town from, I swear to God, Dr. Boga, this is a true story, from one fire department to the next to have them take my blood pressure because I guess my, I was so out of my mind. I didn't know. You could probably just like go to the pharmacy. You could go to CVS and, and have the machine. Well, they have the machine sitting there. Or in public. I think I had done that. I don't know. I'm sure I've told the story before on the podcast where my breaking point was that I was at the supermarket and um, the checker, the lady who bagged your groceries was kind enough to walk me out to the car. And I normally never ask for help. I just feel like I could probably push the cart on my own. Thank you. I got it. And I, you know, I'll, I'll handle it on my own. But for whatever reason, this is the universe. It works in mysterious ways. My breaking point was her name is Drita for our local listeners. If you shop at the same supermarket as, as I do, say hi to Drita. She's still there. I love her. And I feel like she was kind of my angel. And she said, can I help you? Can I help you with the groceries? And I said, okay. And we walked out and just so innocently, the way that you say to someone, hey, how are you? Thinking that it's just such a rhetorical question. I don't know that you even want to know what the answer is. She asked if I was okay. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and I I said, you know, and I'm laughing now saying it because again, we've come full circle. But I looked at her and I was like, no, Drita. And I didn't even know that was her name at the time, but she was wearing the name tag. name tag. And I was like, no, Drita, I'm not. And I broke down and I started hysterical crying. Okay. So um, I was not okay. So I guess the first thing is to recognize that it's okay to not be okay. Absolutely. Number one. Yeah. And then as I mentioned before, trust your gut. If you know that you're having breakdowns in the supermarket with a lady who, you know, we don't even have English as our first language together, you got to trust your gut and you got to talk to someone that you know you can trust. You don't need to get an artillery of friends right out of the gate, okay? One or two trusted friends, if you're lucky enough to have parents that are supportive and understanding. And probably if you do, if you've gotten to this point, they've already kind of caught wind. Things are not going so well. (laughs) The radar went off. They're very, very subtle clues. The antennas are probably on high alert. In my case, I had a friend call me and they had seen that I, over the course of several months, was starting to kind of spiral. She called me and she said, I don't really know what's going on. I mean, I have an idea and I don't want to overstep. But if you need to talk to someone I, and this wasn't a therapist, trust me. We, I had gone through all the therapy to kind of discern what's happening here, but it still got to a point where it's therapists, with all due respect, Dr. Boca, they are not always well versed in every single aspect of what your issues are. And I had 
hadn't even really said it out loud. Mm. I think that's another thing. When you kind of make this big life decision, oh my God, I think I want to get divorced. Just saying it, maybe put that down, you know, on your mental list. To say it out loud makes it real. Real, yeah. And then you kind of figure out what to do next. So someone had called me and said, look, I don't really know exactly what's going on. I have an idea and I want to offer some help. And I have the name of someone who kind of does this for a living. And I was like, does what for a living? And what she did for a living was she's a a divorce coach. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I had never, I'm like, what is that? I mean, I've never heard of something like that. And again, in today's world where anyone can be anything, why not be a divorce coach? And I said, well, what do you mean? Like an attorney? Because obviously, you know, you just know from just life and and the simplest things of divorce. Well, do I need an attorney? The cool thing about the divorce coach is that this was for me kind of the first step in the process. I had no idea what she did. I had no idea really what it meant other than the words divorce and coach. I was so green and raw for me, but I knew that If I was making the decision to get divorced and I didn't know what to do, like the example of, I want to have a baby, but what do you do? do? I needed tools in the toolbox and I needed to start being vulnerable enough to say out loud what the problem was and find people that I could trust to help me with the process. I will tell you, and we, I mean, we could talk about this forever, but hiring the divorce coach was probably the best thing I ever did. Ever. And not to say I should have, could have, would have, should have done it sooner, or if I had mm-hmm. done it this way, you know, things would have turned out differently. That's all irrelevant and beside the point. My journey is my journey and I have no regrets. What the divorce coach did, and it would be so great if we could have her potentially as a guest. That was going to be my suggestion. Like it wasn't even going to be, could we? It's we will, because I have a feeling you're going to explain all the wonderful things that she provided for you and the relationship that developed to get you through this. But I think you just like 55,000 listeners, their ears just were like, perked up. like holy shit, a divorce coach. Like coach, like, how do I get that? Like I have a chef, I have a this, I have a, a personal trip. How do I not have a divorce coach? Like, I want to know more about this. Please, please, please tell me. So yes, next, put it down on our like to-do list. We are reaching out to if if not yours, then some other divorce coach. And we are going to have this because one of the things that we talk about on Unpolished Therapy is we want to give you practical stuff, stuff that you can implement and use. And this is one of them. So yes, write that down. Absolutely. And it would be my pleasure because listen, I'll tell you this too, part of my process and after the divorce, I guess. And, you know, I had written an article. I would love to kind of repost and share with new listeners who don't know about the blog. But I had kind of taken this hiatus, if you will, from the blog at the time when I was going through the divorce. You know, it's a private thing. It's emotional and it's big. But I needed part of my healing and the catharsis way that I use to kind of process through this, I had written an article about getting divorced. And that was kind of my like coming out party, if you will, back into the writing world to share my story and to tell people exactly what had happened. And I did include some information about the divorce coach, which again, it's such a great idea and we have to have her on or or someone on. But as a result of it, so many people came out of the woodwork. Yes, I can imagine. And thank you for sharing your story or can I call you to have a (laughs) coffee because I have some more questions. And I kind of coined myself like this divorce whisperer, if you will, because 
is not that I thought that, oh, hey, I'll be the guinea pig to get divorced so I can help other people. I needed to help myself. But as a result of that, if I could put the story out there and share those real raw emotions and help someone, then how amazing is that? And I cannot tell you how many people I have referred thereafter to this goddess of a woman who is my divorce coach. So I love that. I mean, I think that it's amazing when we can pass along what we've gone through experientially and pass it on to other people who are struggling. But I'm going to say this, and your divorce coach is going to, if they come on this show, may never speak to me again. But Rachel, why are you not helping people and charging them and doing that as a side gig? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to steal the thunder from this woman who was so helpful. And it didn't even really occur to me because when you're in it, again, when you're in it, everything is so finite. I guess maybe it's not until all these years later. Who knows? Maybe that is part of my path down the road. It gave me a lot of comfort to help other people and kind of pass the baton. Well, and it also highlights to you how far you've come, right? Because when you're, like you said, when you're in it, you can't see it. But when you can start giving that help to somebody else and see their successes through it, and you, A, feel great about helping someone, but B, you're like, wow, like I remember being in that place. Look at me. Like I have moved so far beyond that. I'm 20 steps further. And by the way, just as a, a little, aside, we can rationalize and make excuses all we want, but there's a million therapists in this world, right? And my therapists help me. I help my patients. Those patients become therapists. This is what we do. It's the act of giving and mentoring and teaching and training. We want more people in the industry who can do the same thing so that they can pass it on and those people who go through it can pass it on. So I think it might not be such a bad idea for one day to maybe pursue said interest that might be great for you. Yeah, I, maybe you're right. If, if maybe if that's what comes out of today's podcast, that that's a terrific thing. If we do have her on, I'll definitely pick her brain about how does one become a divorce coach with the exception of having gone through it. I don't know. We'll ask. What I want to say to the listeners though, because this is really back to your list of the mm-hmm. things that you want to kind of put out there when you're contemplating. The biggest thing in this contemplation of getting divorced that I remember specifically with the coach that first line is, should I stay or should I go, right? And making that decision and you got to weigh it out. A lot of times you're so mentally confused and cluttered that you wouldn't even know how to rationalize what the rational reasons to stay are versus the rational reasons to go versus the irrational reasons to stay and go, right? So when I had met with the divorce coach, again, and I laugh about it now because we are healed to some degree, right? Mm -hmm. The wound is not nearly as raw. The first thing she said to me in her process, and this is just kind of like a pro tip to everyone out there, right? A little teaser is that she sits down with you and she discusses and goes over, should I stay or should I go? And what that entails, Mm -hmm. whether it's financial, whether it's geographical, let's say, and all the other things that factor in. And I remember as kind of fucked up as I was at the time, I remember saying to her, no, 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 no. <laughs> I already know. <laughs> I already know. <laughs> we can, and I, let me just tell you something. There, there wasn't much laughter at that time. I mean, sure. there's always a little margin for the laughter and, and we forged a really nice friendship as a result of it. But in that moment, I was like, no, check off number one. I already know I want to leave. I just don't know how to do it. So should I stay or should I go? Right. Okay. It's irrelevant. I already know. But I will tell you, and of course, everything is confidential, which is such an, another wonderful thing about having a quote unquote divorce coach Absolutely. that it's private. 
you're protected. This is something that is incredibly painful and private and not for public consumption right out of the gate or even down the road. Some people go through their entire process and nobody knows about it. And Mm -hmm. to have a confidant who is a professional that is going to guide you through this emotional journey, but that it's also a real journey with facts and figures and documents and courts and attorneys and so on and so forth. To have someone guide you through privately is such a blessing. And I think, you know, you said I've gone through all the therapists and all of that. And yes, therapy can be very, very, very helpful. But what a therapist can't do is go over your financial statements with you. They can't help you put together your budget and see, are you going to be able to live? They're not going to be able to necessarily have the conversations with your attorneys and and guide you on best practices. So I think it's important that maybe we have both. I think it's important that you do the divorce coach. And then after you deal with the feelings that have surfaced if you don't want to do the two simultaneously. But that really is the fundamental difference. You were saying, I don't really know what a divorce coach is. They can get into the nitty gritty about those types of things. And that's what they're there for. And for someone like you who likes to go step by step by step and know what's ahead of you, knowledge is power. And she gave you the power because she helped educate you on all of these things that when you first look at it are just so insanely overwhelming. Completely overwhelming, insanely overwhelming, tenfold. And you're right. And to have someone who can really make something that just seems like a mountain, it it doesn't, she doesn't turn it into a mohill, but she takes you step by step by step and she's on the hike with you. Mm -hmm. And that was what was so helpful. To the point I wanted to make earlier though about the should I say or should I go to, to some of the people that I pushed along her way, there were some, and again, as I mentioned, everything's confidential and so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm not outing anyone. But the interesting thing is, is that you'll find that when you do the homework, okay, some people, the answer to should I stay or should I go ends up being I should, I should stay. stay. And that's a really important piece. I have found something as we talk about how we've evolved and we've grown. One of the things that surprised me about myself and my own personal growth, what I have learned as a result of getting divorced, is I have become the biggest advocate for couples, not the ones who are high on the hog and everything's great and they're riding the gravy train of rainbows and unicorns. (laughs) I have become the biggest advocate for the couples who are willing to share that things aren't great Mm -hmm. and they're in distress. And I don't mean just financially. I mean, that's just one tip of, of a million things that create trauma within a relationship, but everything that goes into what it takes to have a successful marriage. And I have become such an advocate for those couples to say, figure it out and do the work and go through all of these steps that yes, a divorce coach helps you with to kind of figure out that, you know what, at the end of the day, our problems are not as big and vast as we thought that they were. And if we do A, then B can happen. Or if we work on C, then we can get to Mm -hmm. D. And I've been such a proponent of couples digging deep and then having mad respect for coming out on top to say, you know what? And not to say we're going to stay just because it's easier. Right. Because of money or whatever. It's just easier. to stay because you know what? We're willing to go through the bumps and the bruises together because it is my person. That's what I've gotten out of it. If anything, it's made me realize that my decisions were right. Yeah. That there are no regrets. It doesn't mean it's easier on the other side. It's not, people. It's hard as hell. You just have such a different perspective. Well, I think you also have a different perspective when you give the respect the process deserves. So when you go step by step through it and you know that you 
are sure, like, I'm ready to leave. And then you go to the next one and I have figured this out and I have grasped the financials and I I trust my attorney and we've said all the things that we need to, et cetera, et cetera. When you get to the other side, you have done your due diligence and you know, I did it all. I feel really good about this. I didn't skip a step. I didn't chicken out. I didn't take the easy way out. I went through the process of feeling it and dealing with it. And when you walk out of there, there's a part of you that is so empowered by being able to say, I made it through and I'm okay. And I'm not going to look back now and regret anything that I did because I'm so sure all along the way, I kept kind of checking in with myself to make sure that I was sure. So kudos to you to go through that process. Kudos to your coach to help you get there. I think it's fabulous that you are an advocate for the people who could work through these things even more so than just kind of saying, let's just take the easy way out and call it a day. As a therapist, one of the things that I often do when people are trying to decide, you know, do I stay? Do I go? um, Should I leave my job? Should I not leave my job? Should I move? Should I not move? We do a decisional balance, which is exactly what you were talking about, the pros, the cons, and the pros and the cons, like of leaving, of not leaving, of, of staying, of not staying. And we have people write it out because when you really see it written out, you realize how much of it is rational, irrational, rationalizations, explanations, denial, and all of those things. So that is an exercise that is transferable to everything. I do believe that couples can get through it. I've said this before on the podcast, people come for couples therapy because of sex, money, and communication, and then everything that stems from that. And if you can address those conversations, you may never find the perfect solution, but the process of having the conversation brings intimacy, and intimacy can potentially bring you, well, definitely bring you closer. You know, the question is, can you allow yourself to get to that intimate place? And if you can't, well, then that's a sign also that maybe you really can't go any deeper than this. So I just wanted to, to reiterate some of the things that you you said for our listeners, because I think they're all applicable now and there are things that they can start incorporating now. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, we've said it a million times, but it is true. Knowledge is power. And the best thing that I got out of having a coach by my side was to help me gain the knowledge and give me power. You can't ask for more than that. It's priceless. The cost of doing business was so worth it to me. In a million years, I'd have to sit and rack my brain, even though, you know, we all kind of are a little cloudy. <laughs> anyway, but but to try to remember what was my attorney's name? That's, you know, easy come, easy go, neither here nor there. In a million years, would never give that referral out. A divorce coach, 100% unequivocally, if I were to do it all over again, hands down, money well spent. And I really think it, it's worth continuing to talk about. I'd love to reach out and get her on. And I oh, think yeah. it'll help a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. We're, that's like mission one. But I just want to reiterate for all of our listeners, um, as time is running out of our session, that of all the things that go on during this process, Rachel really did narrow it down from her own experience for like the four or five or six things that were like really crucial. And I would, if I was summarizing it, I would put number one, invest in the divorce coach. I mean, I think that if you are already at that decision, then that's like a definite, but you have to trust your gut. I mean, your gut is going to get rid of all the anxiety, all the irrational thoughts, all of the fakakamami stuff that we do in our head. This will get rid of that if you just trust your gut. Um, all of it. Not all of it, but you know what I'm saying. It will help you see it a little bit clearer. And I think this one is valuable across all crises and across all changes. It is okay not to be okay. And it's not a permanent state. You will get through it. The other thing is there is 
comfort in having someone to talk to and trusting somebody, whether that somebody is a divorce coach, whether somebody that somebody is a family member, that person is a friend, whomever it is, but you can't go through it alone because you're carrying all of these emotions and we have to get them out and have support. And really, I think this is, I, I mean, I put them all equally in rank because they're all so important, but we have to make it a reality. And this is why I have my clients write things out because that makes it a reality. It's no longer sitting inside of our head. How Rachel said it is say it out loud. If you say it out loud, you'll start to believe it. You realize it is reality and this is the direction that you need to move in. So I think if we could just summarize all of that and carry that on like a little note card and put it in our wallet and check it every time we're unsure, I think those were all valuable techniques. Look at you being the therapist today. Well, no, I don't think it's that I'm the therapist at all. I think it's just- Love it feels though. good to talk about something that you didn't know at all and you didn't have a choice but to figure it out. And asking for help is so critical. It took me a really, really long time. If, I, again, I don't have any regrets, but if there had to be, like if that was on the test, it was, no, 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 you, you must give us a regret. My regret would be not asking for help sooner to help figure it out along the way because there are people out there that are amazing and they're trustworthy and they know their stuff. And my goal now is to reach out to get her on so that we Absolutely. can do this conversation because I think it's nothing but upside. Yes. And I think our listeners would relate well to it. So that's our time, Rach. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with me. I always love our Wednesdays. Even if we start low, we end high. If we start high, we end higher. And I feel good. So I hope to everyone out there, we wish you a great week. Of course, we will be back another Wednesday filled with a lot of unpolishedness where we, of course, will ditch the couch, grab the mic, we'll break down all the wreckage. But until then, it's been a pleasure from Dr. Boca and myself, Rachel Silver Cohen. This has been another episode of Unpolished Therapy. Have a good week, everyone. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.